Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 145. It's all about curation. Hi, I'm Neil. Two weeks ago, Apple held its services event at Steve Jobs Theater. This is a different kind of event for Apple. It felt different. Walking around Steve Jobs Theater, the crowd was a little bit different than usual. There was more of a U.S.-centric feel, judging by the conversations that were occurring around me. There was representation from the publishing industry, even from the consumer finance industry, which is new. Not having new hardware changes things. But judging from the reaction that was published about this event, the negativity, the cynicism, it seemed like people ended up watching a completely different presentation than what I saw. We learned a lot about Apple's revamped content distribution arm at this event. We talked a little bit about this in episode 140, Let's Talk Content. And I think this episode, episode 145, is going to be a continuation of that. We're going to take a look at what Apple announced at this event. And more importantly, why is Apple even moving into original content? Sure, there were questions that remained unanswered at the end of Apple's event. I think Apple provided enough clues and enough answers that we could have a pretty good hand on what's happening here. I think Apple is developing a different kind of content distribution strategy, one that is based around curation. The best place to begin this discussion is to actually look at the event itself. And what has become something of a trend, Apple uses an opening film to kick off its product unveilings. The video shown at the start of Apple's services event two weeks ago really stood out to me. Apple relied on a retro opening credits film theme to give a pretty clear hint of what was to come. We were about to see a Hollywood-heavy event with celebrities taking up almost nearly a third of the stage time. And these celebrities were talking about Apple's upcoming video streaming service, Apple TV+. But the video served a few other functions as well. Apple had a Think Different production. I think it was telling the world that Apple was about to enter original video content in a very big way. As we'll talk shortly, while Apple has clearly dipped its toe into the original video pool, Apple TV Plus is completely different. I think the opening video was also meant to show how Apple now has a growing number of cast members. Hardware, software, and services, all of these are products that come together to create the film. Another way of saying the user experience. And that told us that this services event, it wasn't Apple showing the world some kind of pivot. This wasn't going to be 
the event that Apple says, well, here we go, moving away from hardware. This is the event where Apple unveiled its revamped content distribution arm. All of the services Apple announced have been in the works for years. There were a number of surprises when it came to this revamped content distribution arm. The first one had to do with gaming. Apple is directly funding iOS game development for Apple Arcade. Third-party game developers will retain ownership of the games that will begin as Apple Arcade exclusives. However, Apple really isn't too far from playing in the realm of producing its own iOS gaming content. We have Apple News, Apple News Plus. Apple may be as close as it gets to doing original written content. We see Apple continuing to move down the path of having its team of editors curate news and investigative reporting. At this point, the only way for Apple to move further into original written content would be to hire a team of reporters and journalists for actually reporting and breaking news. I don't think that's going to happen for a number of reasons. The third big surprise, Apple TV+. Plus. Heading into the event, there were plenty of questions as to how Apple would position its original video content within its broader TV strategy. There were a lot of moving parts here. Well, we know Apple TV Plus will be an ad-free subscription service. The implication there is that it will be some kind of paid service that lives within the Apple TV app. The unknown is, will you pay directly for this service? Will it be bundled into other Apple streaming services? We also know this app will be available in more than 100 countries and available on iPhones, iPads, Macs, Apple TVs, most of the leading smart television set platforms, Roku and Amazon Fire TV. By the end of the event, I think a lot of questions that people had could be boiled down to one thing. Why? Why does the world need something like Apple News Plus? Why does the world need something like Apple Arcade? What's the why behind Apple TV Plus? We could even say, why is Apple even moving into original content in the first place? The answers to all of those questions speak volumes as to how the content consumption landscape has changed in just a few short years. In order to answer the why behind an initiative like Apple TV Plus and Apple's move into original video content, we have to go back to the late 1990s. Apple has long held a desire to distribute content through its devices. And over the years, 
The way that we define that content has changed. Apple introduced iMovie in 1999. I think this is really the start. It was the root of Apple's content creation ambitions. Mac software. (laughs) That's the start. Steve Jobs handed out Sony digital camcorders to six Apple executives for shooting and editing four-minute home movies using iMovie. The clips are then shown at Macworld 2000. If we jump ahead a few years, we had Apple begin to distribute third-party content. There was the iTunes empire. It played a major role in expanding the Apple user base. Some may say it put Apple on the map. It eventually set the stage for iOS and the App Store, which revolutionized this idea of distributing digital content. In 2018, Apple earned an estimated $20 billion of revenue from selling digital goods. The thing is, as Apple grew its content distribution arm, the thought of Apple producing its own content remained a pipe dream. Sure, there's been a continuous stream of suggestions from analysts, pundits, usually from Wall Street, that Apple buy video content companies. The two usual suspects that have been put forward usually are Disney and the company that was formerly known as Time Warner, the crown jewel of which was HBO. The rationale behind such acquisitions never made much sense from Apple's perspective. The content libraries that would be purchased in such a deal were already available to Apple users, and they likely weren't going away. Each target company contained too much corporate baggage regarding all these other business segments. And then you have culture clashes. What are the most important things to keep in mind when talking about M&A? And reasons for why M&A often turn into a disaster. The first signs of Apple genuinely starting to open up to the idea of original content appeared after the Beats acquisition in 2014. Jimmy Iovine looked at original video as a way to have an Apple Music streaming service stand out from Spotify. We saw Apple move further into music-related video projects, various documentaries. We then had Beats 1, put Apple firmly into original audio content territory. We then had shows like Carpool Karaoke, Planet of the Apps. I look at those as an original video test run. Apple was learning. The biggest takeaway from that was that management needed to hire outside talent. 
Apple needed to place a much larger bet on original content if it wanted to develop a coherent video strategy and a strategy that would stand out from the competition. If we take a step back, I think Apple's video distribution strategy is entering a third phase. The initial phase offer video creation tools to users. That was Mac software like iMovie. The second phase, in addition to offering video creation tools to users, distribute paid third-party content. iTunes. The App Store. The third phase, offer video creation tools to users, distribute paid third-party content, and now distribute original video content. That's the history. That's how Apple got to where it is now. Let's focus on the why. Why original content? The answer is found in the current landscape. Many people correctly predicted the slow death the unbundling of the large cable bundle. This has been a theme in the news for years. However, very few people projected the flood of new content from entirely new players. Netflix. Amazon. These new players are now forcing the old guard the dinosaurs, to double down on producing even more original content. We have Disney, Warner Media, formerly Time Warner, placing big bets on ramping up original content budgets to support their own new direct-to-consumer streaming services. We can't forget about YouTube, the largest video streaming service out there. There's a lot of content out there available to consume. It's easy to see why Netflix says sleep is its biggest competitor. There has never been as much video content to consume than there is today. There's an issue for all of these companies With a finite amount of time each day, there is only so much content that we can consume. This dynamic drove recent comments from Warren Buffett, one of Apple's largest shareholders, about how the digital entertainment space isn't something he would be interested in competing in. Of course, his $50 billion Apple stake suggests that he is indirectly playing in this realm. But here's Warren Buffett, quote, you've got some very, very, very big players that are going to fight over those eyeballs. You have very smart people with lots of resources trying to figure out how to grab another half hour of your time. I would not want to play in that game myself, end quote. The thing is, Warren Buffett really wasn't saying anything too controversial, Many analysts and pundits looked at Apple's event two weeks ago 
with bewilderment. On the surface, it seemed like Apple had simply announced new revenue-generating services to deliver even more content to its user base. I lost track of the number of people who said Apple is targeting Wall Street with this event. To a lot of people, these Apple services just didn't make sense. Not reading enough magazines or news? Subscribe to Apple News Plus and get $650 worth of magazines per month for just $10 per month. Not playing enough iOS games? Pay for Apple Arcade and play 100 games with no content stuck behind in-app purchases. Not watching enough video content? Use the Apple TV app. Watch video from your favorite sources as well as an entirely new slate of video content with Apple TV+. The takeaway that a lot of people had was that Apple is simply contributing to this content overload. What is Apple solving with these services? Some were stumped as to how Apple could possibly compete with Netflix by just announcing a handful of original shows. Is Eddie Q playing some kind of joke? In my view, those reactions to Apple's event demonstrate a complete misread of what Apple had actually announced on stage. Apple didn't just announce services for consuming more content. Apple unveiled a strategy for curating content for its user base of a billion people. This curation involves everything from picking out which news stories and iOS games Apple users may enjoy to taking an active role in protecting users' content consumption habits in terms of privacy and security. I'm calling this strategy curation for casual. Apple Arcade appeals to the casual gamer who may be interested in playing a few minutes of an iOS game here or there. Such a user values Apple's curation in terms of selecting what will be an always fresh lineup of approximately 100 titles. I don't think the user, I don't think the person paying for Apple Arcade was really buying a ton of paid iOS games. We can look at App Store revenue trends. Paid games were in trouble. Apple News Plus is for the casual magazine reader who may not be interested in subscribing to any one particular magazine, but enjoys reading an article here or there. Such a user values Apple's curation in terms of picking out stories from hundreds of magazines. I've been using Apple News Plus now for two weeks. It's not just a service in which you have 200-something magazine titles. You click on one, 
and you read it cover to cover. You could do that if you want, I suppose, but that's not the value found with Apple News Plus. And so the value is that I'm paying $10 per month to have Apple go through $650 worth of magazines per month and pick out stories that I may be interested in reading. Instead of spending hours every day in Apple News Plus, I may only spend a couple minutes a day. I may only get that one story. But that's enough. That's the value found with News Plus. It's somewhat interesting that when you use News Plus, you scroll through the tab, you do come to an end. <laughs> it's not just this ongoing recommendation feed, something that I think would be common with other companies distributing content. This brings us to Apple TV Plus and Apple's decision to get into original video content. The answer is found with curation and Apple's curation for casual strategy for content distribution. Heading into Apple's event two weeks ago, my thinking was that Apple would position original video content as a way of getting people to spend time within the Apple TV app. More time spent in the Apple TV app would also likely mean more third-party video bundles being subscribed to from directly within the app. And Apple would earn a percentage of that subscription revenue. However, Apple's very deliberate original content lineup including the partnerships with Steven Spielberg, Oprah, told me that Apple's original content video strategy boils down to something more. This isn't just about getting people to spend time in the app. Apple is using its own slate of original video content to develop a differentiated curation experience that won't be found anywhere other than in the Apple TV app. Apple isn't just developing shows and movies that will then be curated to its viewers. Instead, the shows themselves have already been curated. This explains Apple's decision to bet on big brands, Oprah, Spielberg, Sesame Workshop, J.J. Abrams, this explains all of the star power that was at one place at Steve Jobs Theater. The way Apple looked at this is no other company would have been able to get that amount of star power in one place at the same time. Apple's original video strategy is nothing like that held by Netflix or Hulu. Their strategy is characterized as quantity over quality. Apple's strategy also ends up being quite different from Amazon's play for third-party bundles or channels and some original content on the side. I think we could all agree Amazon's original content play has been quite bumpy. I even think Apple is taking a different path from HBO. 
traditionally a service that has valued quality over quantity. The Apple TV Plus equation doesn't even boil down to Apple betting on either video quality or quantity. Instead, the TV Plus equation is about selling video curation on a global scale. Apple's form of curation extends to ensuring privacy and security when it comes to content consumption behavior. That is something that has received little to no attention up to now in the world of direct-to-consumer paid video streaming. If we turn back to the idea of users having a finite amount of time to consume video content, why is something like Apple TV Plus needed in the marketplace? The bet Apple is placing is that curation will gain value as the amount of video content available across all of these various bundles and streaming services continues to increase. In a way, if Disney Plus takes off, if the large cable bundle actually doesn't completely implode, partially due to all of these slimmed-down cable bundles increasing in price. That scenario can actually be a benefit to Apple, as it places value with Apple's curation for casual strategy. Apple's video strategy isn't based on grabbing as much time as possible from users. I think that's pretty clear when you look at the lineup. You don't have hundreds of shows. You don't have Apple going out buying catalogs of legacy content. I think Apple would admit that that battle, the battle for engagement, is a brutal one. Warren Buffett is right. It is going to get ugly in paid video streaming land. Instead, Apple is interested in offering its users a truly curated and private viewing experience on all of their devices. No other company offers such a service. Now, I did receive some pushback to my thinking, in particular, my curation for casual theory. And the pushback was found with video content. And the opinion was, wait a second. Why would someone buy into Apple's curation story if that curation doesn't include content from Netflix? If it doesn't include YouTube content? If it won't include Disney Plus or Warner Media content? Who would pay for that? Who would want to use that type of curation? My response is there is no such thing as a monopoly on great storytelling told through film. HBO is going to have great stories. Netflix is going to have great stories. Even on YouTube, you're going to find great storytellers. That doesn't take anything away from TV+. 
And said Apple sees an opportunity to offer a curated experience containing different kinds of stories told through film. And these are stories that Apple thinks people are going to be interested in consuming. Stories that may impact their lives. This takes us to the final point of our discussion. Content distribution has become commoditized. Most companies are merely interested in checking off the video streaming box on the list of platform requisites. The same can be said for music streaming and gaming. Apple thinks the resulting flood of content is now opening the door for content distribution to once again turn into a competitive advantage. It's possible that Apple's content distribution arm and the company's underlying curation for casual strategy will eventually be considered a core technology powering Apple devices. Notice how Apple News Plus, Apple Arcade, and Apple TV Plus are not going to be available on Android smartphones. As Apple has been working to control other core technologies powering its devices, all signs point to Apple slowly wanting to reduce its dependency on others when it comes to its content distribution arm. Apple's move into original video content lays the groundwork for Apple to eventually move into original content and other genres as well. Apple's opportunity is to rethink content consumption in a world where we are drowning in content. The unfortunate truth is that content consumption is turning into a business of data and grabbing as much of our attention and engagement as possible. Apple sees an opportunity to do something different, to build a content distribution arm that's all about privacy and curation. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you enjoyed the analysis and perspective found in this episode and in the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com and you want more of it throughout the week, I think you'd be interested in becoming an Above Avalon member. The cornerstone of Above Avalon membership is access to my exclusive daily updates about Apple. Each update is about 2,000 words and typically covers three stories. I'll talk about Apple business and strategy analysis, Apple earnings and financial estimates, and my perspective and observations on current news, Apple competitors, and keynotes and events. One way that I describe the daily updates is that they are basically 10 to 12 weekly articles or podcast episodes condensed into a daily email that's sent Monday through Thursday. A few sample emails are available to read. You can head on over to aboveavalon.com and then go to the membership page. A weekly email version is also available for those who prefer to receive one consolidated email per week instead of four daily emails. While the daily updates are the cornerstone of Above Avalon membership, Above Avalon members also have other benefits and privileges, including access to my in-depth reports on Apple strategy and access to my Apple earnings model. 
So for more information on membership and to become an Above Avalon member, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the membership page. There are two membership options available. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. Above Avalon is fully sustained by memberships. So if you are already an Above Avalon member, thank you for your support. And if you are thinking about becoming an Above Avalon member, thank you in advance. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later.